Okay, here I am, making the most important announcement of my life, and none of you can be supportive? Oh, like you were when I opened my real estate office? Or when I wrote my book? Or when I wanted to open a jet ski business in Jamaica? Then, don't help. Okay, so maybe I wasn't that supportive. But you guys all followed your dreams anyway, which is what I'm gonna do with Joan's Cantina. <laughs> Joan's Casa. Joan's Hut. What you need to start planning is Joan's Furniture Sale. <laughs> the girlfriend's podcast today we'll be talking about the episode the j spot i'm nettie smith and i'm etsy Rowe. and today we have a special guest oh, i'm super excited from the bruh meets world podcast it's siege what's going on man hey thank you so much for having me i really i, I cannot express how excited i am to be here i love the show girlfriends um me and my sister have watched it like from the moment it came out on upa mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember seeing you get started on Twitter, like your Twitter just showed up oh, on man. my feed one day. And I was like, oh, one day I got to get on this podcast because I knew it was oh, going to be good. Awesome. <laughs> From the beginning. Oh, man. You know, what's funny. I think we actually talked about one of your tweets on our show. Really? Because you tweeted something about girlfriends. And I remember the name. I'm not your Oreo. Yep. Yeah. I am not. I am so not I your Oreo. <laughs> you remember that, right? Right. See? That name. Yeah. So we we pick tweets sometimes and we talk about them on the show. Like this person said this, we think that's cool or whatever. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. No for problem. Having. So why'd you choose this episode to be on? Okay. So I wanted an episode that I knew would give me like all the things I love, which is Joan being crazy Joan, Tony being just like the most, but giving you the least. Like I love it. <laughs> um, I did. I couldn't really remember how Maya fit into it because again i was trying to like position myself of like where my storyline is but i just knew the j spot episode had like the tension the drive and the comedy that i love about girlfriends so when i was looking at season five i was like this will be the one and then also there season five has a lot of episodes where i'm like i don't know if i'm the authority who should be speaking right now <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> these yeah. are a lot of like mm-hmm. black women issues that i'm just an observer i can give like my viewer opinion on but like as far as the topic is concerned i'll just sit back and listen so this was one i felt yeah. i could i could have something to say yeah that's great so which girlfriend are you so <laughs> and you can use hybrids you can yeah, yeah, sprinkle yeah. one whatever you want to do so I have a lot in common with and I connected with at a young age was Tony. Like I grew up in the South. I Hmm. married a rich white man. Like I have like (laughs) live in Beverly Hills. Like I've, I've connected a lot with Tony. I think that I've done the therapy that Tony never did. Um, And so I think that that helps a lot. And I, there's a, I used to have it memorized. There's a, quote that tony tells todd about growing up and not going back to fresno and and like the difference between like being rich in fresno and poor in la nothing scares me more than being poor i grew up poor and i'm not going back and la poor is worse than fresno poor because when you're in fresno and you're looking at rich folk they're still stuck in fresno and that ain't much (laughs) 
But in L.A., you're poor if you wear round-toe heels in a pointy-toe season. <laughs> and I can't be the best possible Tony under those conditions. Uh, yeah. I had that whole speech memorized, like, the first time I heard it. I was like, yeah, I get you, girl. I see you. Right. Uh, so, parts of me are Tony. However, rewatching it, I was like, I think I've become more of a William. Where I'm like, y'all crazy. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. For, I guess for the purposes of this episode or this show, William is a girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Tell us about the Bra Meets World podcast and what it's about. It's a review podcast for Boy Meets World, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just that it's a review podcast for Boy Meets World. My co-host and I, TC, have been doing it for seven years now. It's crazy because yeah. uh, it did not have to be that way, but we both have ADHD <laughs> and it just took us forever to get through all the seasons. Yeah. But, I'm like, um, can y'all release weekly, please? I miss y'all. <laughs> well, so we used to do it, but like, you know, life and, and yeah. all this other stuff. But um, long and short of it all is we started, we we were both two black boys who grew up watching this show and we felt that it shaped us. But we were like, what does that mean when you are black and you watched a show that centered around whiteness in a lot of ways? Mm-hmm. And like, does this show hold up? Why did we connect to it? Right. And um my fiance and I, he asked me too, he was like, why this show? And I was like, oh, I think at the time, this was like one of the very few shows that talked about being an outsider in a way mm. that like, you you weren't a Jonathan Taylor Thomas type dude. Mm. That's that's the whole purpose. It's like, he's not blonde like the rest of them. That's right. the his hair doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, look, his hair doesn't move. His life must be harder. And um, so we connected with that. And uh, but as we've grown and we rewatched it, it was like, oh, no, there's some really good, valuable lessons here that really taught us about, like, being a good person. But then also there are some things where you're like, oh, this is definitely centered around whiteness, white maleness, white male fragility. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's been a really fun thing to reexamine. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great to listen to because, ah, man, I just you pull back all the layers. I, I left a five star review for you guys and said that you should teach a class on Boy Meets World because it's just there's so much detail and so many eye opening lessons that could be learned from it. So, mm-hmm. hell yeah, justice for Angela Moore, for real. Bad bitch Angela. For real. I know. I know. Yeah. Bad bitch Angela. Like, that's crazy. And it's also something where it's like, we didn't realize it back then, but imagine being like the only black person in a show. Not just uh, not just in the show, but cast and crew. Like cast oh, and crew. Cast. She said there was like maybe one lighting guy. Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you know how when you're outnumbered, they'll talk about whatever they want to talk about, and you they don't want to say nothing. Talk about it. However they want to talk about talk. it, and then they'll look at you. Like, I dare you to say something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Other than I agree. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it, we actually were fortunate enough to like connect with Trina, Trina McGee. She was going to be on our show. Um, and unfortunately, like just oh. signal didn't work out. So we weren't okay. able to make it work. But mm-hmm. A, it was great to like get the validation that she was listening to us and B, yeah. to like be able to really know that she like agreed or like was in line with some of our call outs of being like, yo, this is, a show that took place in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and 
not a brown person to be seen for miles. And you're like, right. nobody in Philadelphia? Really? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's friends. That's yeah, friends. Exactly. Absolutely. Like, you really have to have a lot of disbelief with a lot of these 90s shows. It's crazy. Mm, it's crazy. Imagine being in New York and not seeing a single person of color. <laughs> like, like it's insane. Like, where do you go where that would be a place? Especially in something like the West Village. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, not anywhere. Uh, yeah, I saw when she reposted one of your you guys' comments. I was like, oh, my God, they made it. Hell, yeah. That's exactly how we felt. Well, like, you couldn't tell us nothing that week. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's great. So we're going to get into the episode. The original air date, 10-11-2004, written by Michael B. Kaplan. And it's my turn to do the cold open. So I will explain where we're starting. So we're at the park. Maya's studying. And it looks like a place where, like, People street perform, you know, we have that in New York too. Showtime, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, the performer starts coming up to her doing robot noises. And she's like, whatever, get out of my face, whatever. And initially we can't see who the person is. We can't see their face. We just see that they're dressed in all silver, painted and everything. And then Maya looks up and she's like, wait, Lynn? It's Lynn and fucking Cersei painted silver as a street performer. And, you know, this is very iconic. This is a thing in the show that even if you're like out and about and you see someone dressed up like this, that's like, oh, he's doing the lens. So even if the, if it's copper that they're dressed up as, it's like, OK, I, I've seen this before. So Lynn is like there, but she's not talking. So Maya's like, what the hell's going on? She's not saying anything except pay me. So she won't talk until Maya puts money in the cup she's holding. So she puts 50 cents in. And Maya's like, is everything all right? What's going on? Have you lost your mind? No, I'm fine. You're not fine, you're a crazy ass robot. <laughs> crazy ass robot with 50 cents. And then we get our theme. Now, we're gonna go through the whole lens situation, but she's back to her antics. She's not even, I thought she was out of doing these gigs and stuff. She was a, a director of documentaries. And now she's back doing stuff like this. Like, the mighty have fallen, right? Yeah, it's like Lynn, and she touches on it later on in the episode. It's like Lynn is someone who just goes with the wind. Like, she's not trying to have a steady job. She's not trying to do any of that. She she thrives doing these here and there, here today, going tomorrow gigs. She likes that shit. Have you guys ever seen the show American Dad at all? Every now and then I hit or miss it. There's like, a there's a character there. It's just like Roger the alien. And like every oh, yes, week I'm, he'll I'm, have like a new job or like whenever they like are going to find someone who's like a secret person who is in charge or something, they'll turn mm -hmm. around and Roger is the person <laughs> that they've been looking for. That's how I feel they write Lynn. Like Lynn just <laughs> does, as you said, she's just like wherever they need her to be. Like uh, later on this season, Lynn just shows up as someone's like, assistant at uh, a talent agency mm, you know mm -hmm. yeah lynn just goes like she's just like it, instead of ha them having to hire another character <laughs> like she another fills in for that extra spot <laughs> yeah, thing because that's how that's how that character is as you say she blows with the wind but i understand moving around and wanting to do different things i mean i am a creative person performer things like that but 50 cents 50 cents for an interaction with someone on the street like at least if you're gonna do something and it's a, a gig. 
Yeah, make some <laughs> make some money you can do something with. And she's content with the 50 cents and doing little small jobs like that because apparently it brings her joy. And that's the thing that I'm like, oh, Lynn, come on now. I think Lynn yeah. excuses it like by saying that as long as she's made a profit in anything that she does, then it was worth it. Like if anyone's like, why did you do this? She's like, well, I made money from it. So I think it's like mm. constantly seeking that validation that if she can make money from it, then it wasn't a waste of time. And plus, if you got friends like Joan and the rest of them, you don't really need to make any money, I guess. Yeah, at this point, even Maya's finna um then got into a bag, so all your friends got bread. Yeah, I guess this makes sense for her. Um, so moving on, we see uh, at Joan's house she has a new sofa. I actually liked her old one, but this sofa looks kind of small. I don't know what they did, but what I do love is Tony's hair. Thank God she got rid of that fucking. Yeah, oh, short hairdo, and it's like I'm like, please don't bring it back. So I'm happy that after one episode, it's still it's still this hair. What'd you think of the pixie cut, Siege? I here's the thing. I thought it was a bold move. I think you know sometimes you know let let people experiment with their hair. And do, I didn't like it. So when okay. they, they came back and they gave me like the Tony hair that I like know and love, I was like, all right, yes, this is what I enjoy. But you know, I, I I understood Tony's like need to control something and therefore the pixie cut made sense to me. Yeah, I just don't think it fit her face. It was something like her face is too tiny for a haircut like that. Or maybe the wig was just too big and bulky. Like when it you gonna do short wig, hair, yeah. can't do the wig. You gotta do it on your own hair. It's too yeah. bulky. Yeah. She should have just let her, her her actual hair fly out. So the girls are, are talking about the couch and how Joan's probably going to be broke because she's buying furniture while she doesn't have a job. And they see an easel in the uh, corner of the room. And she's they're like, what's going on with this? She's like, I got a big announcement. And she waits for Lynn to arrive before she does her presentation. And Lynn gets there and I'm like, what about what about William? That was the first thing I thought. Mm-hmm. William's not going to come see this presentation, but whatever. She's still mad that William um, she's fucking still with fighting a with girl. With, yeah, she's still yeah, fighting yeah. with William. <laughs> and so she starts the presentation off by asking, What is the one need that everyone has? Sleep. Sex. Money. Exactly. Food. <laughs> and ladies, I ask you, what is the food that people are most excited about? Southern. Vegetarian. Sushi. Exactly. <laughs> Tapas. You know, I may be uncultured, I don't know, but before this show, I don't think I knew what tapas was. Did you guys? Well, I was really young when I started watching this show, but um, I haven't always known what it was. Same, I didn't know what tapas was at all. Like, So when I found out it it really is like appetizers or whatever, I was like, yeah. well, that is a risky thing to like put a whole restaurant behind. Right, so you're going <laughs> to go to a restaurant and only kind of eat? <laughs> it's like she might as well just call it like a lounge if anything right as opposed to a restaurant because that's what it's giving to me like when you go to a bar or a lounge you you know you're gonna get that finger food so yeah, yeah that yeah. might be a better move because a restaurant full of appetizers is almost like a contradiction definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like also how like if each person like they say pretty much what their driving force is you know it's like what are people most excited about well tony she's on the go. She's always trying to get there. So for her, she's like, sleep, live, yeah. sex, buy up money. Like, these are the <laughs> right. things that, like, they are... It like, fits their personalities. They, yeah, absolutely. And then I also love that Joan would completely... I To this day, I think it's, like, a funny joke to where, like, everyone's giving you this information and you could just completely 
disappearing. You go, exactly. Ignore it. I'm going to say my point. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and Joan's basically hoping, uh, she's making this new business plan of a restaurant, hoping it's the most hip night spot, tapas restaurant slash bar. And she's going to call it Joan's Place, <laughs> which, oh, God. I can tell you why I hate that name. It's coming up. Um, But Tony points out that most restaurants, uh, 90% of them fail in the first year. And Joan says, well, most restaurants do a bad job of undercapitalizing, but I will not make that mistake. And Lynn's not feeling the name. I'm not feeling either. Um, It's too on the nose. And Lynn says, you know, it makes you want to fall asleep. And Tony does just that because she's pregnant. Um, Yeah, let's have a talk about the name. Because she does a few different iterations of it. Jones Hut, Jones Cantina, Jones Table, Jones Hut. Um, Jones Casa. <laughs> Jones Casa. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think the problem with the name is? Why doesn't it work? It's just like, I know the owner's name is probably Joan. It's a restaurant place. It Like like what you said, it's too, it's too literal. You know? Yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel sleek or elevated. Like, if you mm-hmm. think of something called, like, anything like Jones Place or, like, Tommy's or anything, like, it doesn't, it feels like it's more chain. It feels like it's more, I don't know how to say it's it. Hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't give you elevated. It doesn't, definitely doesn't give you LA night scene, which is what she says that she's going for. And then also to me, when she said Jones Place, it reminded me of like Rachel's from um, Family Matter. Oh, Remember when yes, Rachel Family hers? Matters. Like Rachel's. it felt like that or it felt like um, also Victor's Place in That's So Raven. Like it just, it felt so kind of TV and commercial. You're like, you can't do this. Not if you're trying to be like something like Skia, you know? like Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also the fact that the name Joan doesn't evoke, like, this is the hip spot to go to. Yeah. It's the name Joan. It sounds like it's just somebody's mama. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like somebody's white mama. And it doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound like they're going to have great music there, like hip hop or R&B or neo soul. The name Joan is really killing it. It ain't even the cantina, the hut, the table. None of that. It's Joan. I think I would go to Joan's hut the least. Like, Joan's hut... <laughs> What is anything? Jones Hut sounds like a chain restaurant where you get tacos. (laughs) That's what that sounds like. Tacos. They greasy tacos though. Oh, greasy! I hope they. I don't know why I feel like when I hear Hut, they don't wash their hands. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Like Jones Hut does not. It does not sound like they pass safety (laughs) inspector. (laughs) Right. Um. In this scene, they mentioned Joan wasn't um, supportive of the girls' uh, business ventures. Tony's real estate company, Maya's book. And Joan acknowledges, like, okay, yeah, I, in the past, I have been lackluster about that. and But now I have this thing going on, and I'd love you guys to support. Was that a thing with Tony's real estate company? Was Did I miss that? That Joan, Joan... I mean, it sounds like something Joan would do, but... <laughs> Joan was not supportive. And I thought this scene was so interesting to me because re-examining the show as a whole i was like oh these are not good friends these are just girlfriends like they know each other and the idea like there is something to be said about joan needing to have something now like rushing into this restaurant for the sake of like tony's pregnant maya's writing the book Mm -hmm. even joan seemed to have i mean even lynn seemed to be getting her act together 
uh, William made partner. So the idea mm-hmm. that she needs to have something and she's like, hey, I want you all to center and like support me. Give your attention to me now because I feel like I was giving my attention to you. And it's like, but you never supported anyone never. when they did these mm-hmm. things. And that's what I think they called her out. They're like, you didn't support us for our dreams. You just <laughs> were there when we achieved our dreams. There's a difference. Yeah. And that reminds me, like, she's very similar to Corey Matthews in that way, right? Very self-centered in that way where Corey would expect his friends to be, whenever he needs something, they're at his uh, beck and call. Absolutely. And Jones the same way. Except when, when it's reversed, he's like, ah, nah, like, Sean, your little work thing that you do with the advertising, whatever. I mean, I'm talking about Corey seasons four yeah. through seven, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. <laughs> I think you're accurate. I think, like, when I look at it, I'm like... Joan, I mean, they they call it now on TikTok, like, main character syndrome, which is just, like, yeah. everything revolves around you. But I think good writing, your main character can still be considerate of other people. And the thing about Joan is when you rewatch it, it's like, oh, you are really self-centered. You haven't, like, you don't really support your friends. And you, I just looked at this episode as her trying to pull the attention back on her. And it was like, I could see why her friends would just kind of be like, you know what? I'm only half interested in this because not only were Mm. you half interested in us, but this just feels like a whim. You feel like Mm -hmm. borderline Lynn in your behavior (laughs) right now, you know? And like, even Lynn is like, I also love like the reality check the girls give them when Tony's like, 90% of restaurants fail. She doesn't say Joan will fail. She's like, girl, did you do your research? And Joan is like, I did. She's like, okay, girl got pamphlets. Let's look yeah. through. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, that's that's just how I feel. I feel like they are supporting her by asking the questions you should ask your friend when they decide to do something like open up a restaurant in L.A., you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. L.A. is a different type of scene there. It ain't just anywhere. Yeah, it really is. And they food, it could be hit or miss. I don't know. I I don't really like L.A. food like that. It's too much gluten-free and this, this, that. It's a lot of restrictions. Yeah, I like all of that shit. But um, what I was going to say was her idea for business is also like a total 180 from what she's been doing. Like everybody else's is kind of on the nose with what they probably would have been doing anyway, like Tony's with the real real estate and um, Maya with the book, with the catchphrases and things like that. So it's like even Lynn with the whole creative ambition with the documentary, right? Which is another creative field. But this with the restaurant, I don't know, you've been a lawyer for your whole life and now you want to open a restaurant? I don't know. Like it's Yeah, like, it's different. I was going to ask because I feel like it I think she was right in the fact that it does align with her interest let's go in shall we (laughs) as you can see it combines all of my passions design eating appetizers and entertaining (laughs) she is detail oriented and like getting to the weeds of like picking out and decorating and like all this other stuff She, she Joan is a hostess so it makes sense to me I felt like they wrote Joan to be a lawyer. And then with her behavior and the storylines, they were like, this isn't what this character was ever supposed to be doing. You know? Mm. Like there's not enough meat on the bone there. Yeah. Just cause she's, 
let's be honest. Like, I don't know if y'all talked about it. Joan isn't the greatest lawyer. Like, last, no. like, yeah. Um, not too long ago, like everyone who gets into legal trouble, they don't actually actually go to Joan. They go to William because <laughs> William's a good lawyer. Joan just will like tell you some advice, and she's kind of good with that. But she ain't gonna win your case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's that's true. <laughs> So moving on, speaking of William, he's at lunch with two junior partners and they're giving him some tea. So the junior partners, they find out that Joan is opening a restaurant and they bring it up to William and William tries to plays it off. And he's like, oh, oh, I thought you were talking about like a new restaurant. Of course, I know about that one. She's my best friend. Of course, I know about her new business venture. And then the junior partners are like, "Mm, okay, if you say so. (laughs) Yeah, they went to, uh, Joan went to them to consult about corporating and didn't go to William. Mm. So, have you guys been in that situation where um, you're having issues with a friend and you find out some information and people don't know that you're having problems? So, they're like, oh, did you hear about the thing? And you got to be like, oh, oh, that thing. Oh, of course I know about that thing. Because I had intense flashbacks with that (laughs) a few years ago. Yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And then try to make it look like y'all all good when y'all not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. Like, it's so embarrassing. See, um, I will say, I don't know if, I don't, like, I think of it, because I try to be as authentic as I can. And I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. But I will be like, oh, you know, I've been busy. So, mm. I, like, we just haven't got a chance to speak yet. But, like, like that's how I'll cover it up. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you ask me any other follow-up questions, I'm not going to be able to make it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, well, how could you not have time? It's a simple text. Why wouldn't they tell you? But it's hurtful. You're right. It is. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't know we were beefing like that. Like, that's what that moment is. You're like, oh, oh, you mad mad. (laughs) That's the best way to show that you're mad mad, too. Why do you think Joan didn't tell William about any of this? Because she's not fucking with him. She's still mad about um, old girl. But honestly, if that's the love of your life, like, wouldn't you want him around a lot? Like, uh, to I be mean, a part of this so you can be around him all the time? To be in her position, right? Does William still consider Joan the love of his life when he's fucking with Monica and he moved on so quickly? Like, that was really quick. That so, sounds like men. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just like men. Niggas. It's niggas. But- yeah. <laughs> It's niggotry for for sure. But still, like, y'all been friends for so long. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess. And then yeah. the whole thing with the previous episode where I got some shoes and you trying to buy your new bitch the same shoes that I got. Mm. Like, excuse me? What type yeah. of shit is that? He trying to he trying to build a jump. Yeah, build a bitch. Ooh, ooh, that's a good way of looking at it. And I didn't think of it that way, but that's yeah, that's yeah. I can see that, and I can see her being upset with that. But I also feel like Joan is. She didn't tell William because, as I said, Joan is very competitive, and William has made senior partner, so she he has his dream career, hmm. and he's dating other women. And she just, you know, she was like, it wasn't what I wanted, but also how did he move on so quickly? So mm. she just feels like it's a double burn for her. Because A, you got the job that I wanted. B, you're in a position in life that I would love to be in. And then also it's like, and at the exact same time, you were trying to build a Joan. So no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not fucking with you right now. 
you know? All right. What do you feel, uh, Siege, about their eventual romantic relationship? Are you here for it? Some people are like, ugh. I think this episode shows that they are, they have a sibling dynamic. Like, we're going to get there. But, like, when I watch it later, I was like, oh, this is, this is family. This is, Mm -hmm. that's how they operate. And that's why they work. But Mm -hmm. the fact that y'all try to make it romantic, it's Mm -hmm. like, mm, y'all had to know that. Dang. Like, if it didn't happen already, like, here's the thing. If you, like, everyone, we've all watched Living Single and... There's like, oh, no, we had a history like Regine and Kyle mm-hmm. had a history together and that didn't work out. So we're just friends. So it's like to me, like that makes more sense of like, oh, we've tried in the past and mm-hmm. it never worked. And we're we've both. But y'all have been friends this long and nothing ever happened. There was a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, I remember watching it growing up and being like, they are the cutest fucking couple because they're both weirdos. And it's like. Well, who else are they going to date? Like, who's going <laughs> to understand those silly jokes and those dance performances and those sayings and yeah. the excitement for holidays together? And I don't know. Well, we'll see when we get there how I feel about it, watching it now, the way we're watching it weekly. But I remember it just being oh, so cute. I love And there's an episode PDA DOA coming up later in the, se- uh, the season that I'm just like, oh, they got their music. They got everything. And I, don't, I don't know if it's just me, right? All the rest of the girls that are listening, I don't like when a nigga know too much about like my inner workings of things. Like I don't like when men know any type of like beauty regimens or what's going on in the inner inner workings of your girl's circle, like girl talk. I, yeah. I, I don't like he's that. And close. William, he's he's too in tune with the girls. I don't. Mm-mm. Mm, I don't that's like a good niggas call. in women's business. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> as, <laughs> as I said, that's why I set out. I was like, I know my place. I'm not trying to be anywhere I'm not supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> uh-uh. I don't like that. When I get comfortable enough with you, where like I'm like taking out my weave in front of you and shit like that's what i feel like william has witnessed Mm-mm, it's too close yeah you know yeah that's a little mm. i didn't think of that that's a good point but i don't know we'll see we'll see how i feel also again he's the fifth girlfriend so it feels a little incestuous in like the group dynamic mm-hmm. you know i feel like it'd be different if there was like uh, i'm using a bunch of tv it's uh, fine. Out. But like, <laughs> uh, it'd be different if it was like an Overton Sinclair thing where it's like there's always been that tension, you know, but like this is this has never been that. This has always been they their bond to me is like it's a friendship bond. Y'all are goofy together. Y'all have the same interests, but that doesn't like he he knows more about you than any other man possibly would. But like that's because he was never someone who you felt you needed to present yourself as mm-hmm. uh, uh, an option as a relationship. So the idea that you would try to do that, to me, honestly, it just feels like Joan is trying to make her list happen by any mm. means necessary. Like, that's what I get from this season, is Joan being like, I'm going to be a success one way or another. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. care if it actually works out. I just want to check the box. Mm-hmm. Man, that's see, that's what I'm saying. Y'all be pulling off the layers. We got we gotta have you back on, Siege. Period. Because you you really are pulling off layers I didn't think about. 
So after he hears this information from the, the junior partners, he heads over to Joan's house. And he's like, why didn't you tell me you were opening a restaurant? She's like, well, I'm opening a restaurant. And he's like, why did I have to find out from two lowly junior partners? Had me sitting there like Bobo the Fool. <laughs> and I was like, why does that sound weird? <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's, it's Boo Boo the Fool. He's like, what? <laughs> why, why'd you never tell me? He's like, I'm going to run around here saying, saying that. And no one told me. Ain't that a blop? And I, I feel like he said, ain't that a blip before? I don't know, but whatever. So William's pissed that Joan didn't tell him about the restaurant because they're supposed to be best friends. And finding out from two new jacks is not the way to find that information out. She mentions that he got back with Monica and he's like, I only did it because you turned me down. And he, she thinks, like we said earlier, that he should have waited longer to move on um, after she rejected him. Yeah. Can he really not love her and have moved on that quickly? Or is that just not a thing? I think y'all don't know how men work. I think, men yeah. Also- <laughs> niggas, niggas do that shit all the time. Like, that's how niggas are. It's just niggatry. That I don't I don't have any other way to explain it. Like, they will say, oh, I love you. I thought it. One thing about men that I know for sure is that they know how to compartmentalize. That's why they can fuck bitches and then go home and kiss their wife on that same day within that same shift. That's what they wrong. know how to do. <laughs> Period. That make you not want to ever be in a relationship. Shay, she's so bleak. No, no, so bleak. Like, I think she's she's like in my mind, she's realistic in the sense of like, as you said, not everyone does this, but you are good at compartmentalizing. As I was saying, with dudes, what's going to happen is he went for he was like, hey, I want a real relationship with you. I want something real. And she was like, I don't want that with you. So he was like, my ego hurt. And I went for something real and I got rejected. But you know what I won't get rejected from? These hoes. (laughs) (laughs) They want me. I have a line, okay? I have people in line for me. So why would I waste time? Like, if, if anything, he's really hurt. And when a dude is hurt, the first thing he's going to do, not every dude, but a lot of dudes do, is avoidance. They, like, you bury your head into something that will make you feel good because your ego got bruised. And that's what he did. He's not wrong when he's like, look, you turned me down. You made it very clear that it would never happen. And A, I respected you and I listened to you when you said that. I could have been like one of these people who like ignored your wishes, kept pursuing Uh. all this other stuff. But I don't want to do that to you. I want to take you at your word. And if that's the case, I need to also take care of myself. And if there's one thing a dude is really good at is realizing I need to take care of myself right now. (laughs) Yeah. So after um, William says that Joan's crazier than a soup sandwich, uh, we move (laughs) on. But before we actually move on, Joan's cargo pants with heels, that iconic style. Oh, I love it. it. I love it. Early Man, I want to bring it back. 2000s. The girls used to wear that all the time in the music videos. Let's bring that shit back. It's we flirty. need to bring it back. I might need to go on uh, Amazon or something. Find some. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they sell them because I don't think they're actually back in style yet. Like back. No. back. Like wide legs are coming back. I don't think cargo pants are back back yet. So you got not go. quite. Yeah, I feel like they're coming, though. I think I hear it on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> and then we move on to the restaurant space. Did anybody recognize the set, the restaurant space? Child, that's William's house, Shell. <laughs> is it? Shell, yes, it is. Oh, wow. That's, that's William's so, house. I kept looking at it and I'm like, this looks so familiar. 
but I don't know. Like I couldn't tell why. And you're y'all are right. Now I feel stupid. And it's all the way down <laughs> to the rocks. I think those rocks were there in his apartment, in his house. Like down to the door. If y'all don't change the damn in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just took out the furniture and like put up a wall. And like, I think hilarious. it might have actually been Brock's house too. Part of Brock's house just moved. Oh, that makes like sense. The they have different. one set, and they are like, "We are making the most out of this second set." I think it was the shoe store last week too. Yeah, definitely. I watched last week, so I was like, "Oh, this is the same. This is the same space." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Joan's there, and she's explaining what she wants each area of the space to look like. So there'll be some sort of water feature here, right? And then the hostess will stand here, and she will greet all the patrons. And then there'll be like a, a couch here where the overflow is because the restaurant will be so crowded. And she's explaining all this to Tony. And we, we pan over to Tony, and Tony's falling asleep because pregnancy. I love her pantsuit, by the way. We always talk about the style here. We gotta sometimes just... Oh, everybody is just given with the hair this episode. I love it. I love love Tony's look from head to toe. It's giving Olivia Pope with the hair and then the lace. It's just 10 out of 10. (laughs) I love it. They need to put out a line. I don't know why they they never did that because I would love some of these pieces. I was wondering about that because I did notice, it, it feels like this season lace is in like a lot of tony's clothes are like just like a i don't know how to say it but it's like this borderline of like business and sexy like mm-hmm. that, the fact that tony is wearing that has, but it, like it has like this lace finish on it i was like okay real estate yep. agent <laughs> very much tony very much in the same scene at this point tony refers to her baby as a parasite which oh. is totally on brand for tony i mean babies kind of do feed on your body and you know kind of like that but this is really showing that tony i don't know if she doesn't like the baby but this baby is just kind of a thing to her to try to fix her marriage yeah and it's nothing more it's like a prize for her husband almost yeah um one thing about babies when the relationship is already on the rocks babies will never make it stronger okay i don't know who needs to hear this but oh you're helping somebody right now (laughs) The baby will never make a relationship that's already finna be a wrap ever. Because one thing babies are going to do is take your time, your money, your effort, all of that shit. So it's not, it's not a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming from my TED talk. But <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier that you, uh, you're from Florida or whatever. I don't know everyone's like relationship with like the American South or like Black South or anything like that. But this, to me, felt very Fresno. Her, like, the little parasite, the whole, like, I want him to get a big head. To, like, you know, already (laughs) kind of, like, already kind of, like, checking the baby and the baby hasn't even been born yet. Like, that's very real. But you're right in the sense of, like, that's her version of love. And I always think of, like, the character because, like, that's definitely what a child of Vernetta would Mm. think that raising a child would be like you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. good call with the, the vanetta thing veretta 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 <laughs> yeah good call with that because yeah that whole family i could definitely see where tony's coming from from her perspective so this space tony's tony found it for joan joan loves it she wants it to be her new restaurant of course she can hear the name now jones joint which is <laughs> jesus christ and Tony says Joan has to act on it like right now and make an offer because there's two other people interested. Hmm. And Joan's like, well, you can't stall them. 
And Tony's like, I don't got time to play around. And of course she doesn't. She has a kid on the way. Her nigga a broke. husband who's $750,000 in debt. She she does not have time to sit around and not make a sale. So Joan says she needs 30 days. Tony's like, nah, this place will not be available in 30 days. So you have to act by tomorrow. And I love when Tony's like, can't you be on my side? I am, girl. I could lease this place today. That was my thing is that to me, again, watching it, I know that like to Joan, Tony is being Tony and not helping her. I was like, no, actually, this is Tony's version of love. Because Tony is like, look, I'm putting money on hold for you, mm-hmm. and I don't do that for anybody. Like, right. I could lease this this afternoon and then go take a nap. I'm helping you out by giving you until tomorrow. Business is mm-hmm. business. And that's how, and Tony don't play with her money. So exactly. I just thought that that was really interesting that they show, again, they are being supportive. They're just not bending over backwards for Joan in the way that she would like to be treated. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And so she suggests an investor, specifically William. And Joan doesn't want to do that, especially after the previous fight they had. Um, She tells Tony, I don't care how much money William has. I'll go back to selling hot dogs at Wienersickle before I ask him. What? At the Wienersickle? It's really beef on sight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's how I be feeling when I don't fuck with people. I don't even want to let them know that I need any type of help because I don't fuck with you. And that means that you are op. So you don't need to know what my weaknesses are at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Well, I was just thinking, really, that's... You'll go back to selling hot dogs? Like, is it that deep? Is it yeah. really? It is. Yeah. I don't know what Joe's sign is, but the Aries in me? Uh-uh. Very prideful mm. people. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Well, um, oh, go ahead, Siege. No, I was going to say, you're right in the sense of, like, I was looking at it from your perspective, which was that, yo, is it really that you'll go back to Wiener Snizzle than just ask somebody? But now that I think about it, you're right, where it's like, if I don't fuck with you, then yes, I will. (laughs) (laughs) I will earn each dollar that I need to by selling corn dogs if it means I don't have to talk to you or get help from you. So, yeah, I I do. I see both perspectives. (laughs) Ain't like William's going to hold it over her head. Like, I could get that. It has nothing to do with the fact that he would hold it over her head. It has everything to do with the fact that Joan doesn't. Like, again, she's perfectly like She just don't fuck with him. It's like, I don't want anything for you. I don't want you to give me a pen so I can sign the lease. <laughs> I, <it's> like, <laughs> I go to Staples and get my own pen, nigga. I'll go get my own <laughs> pen. <laughs> um. And it's it is it's a pride thing. Speaking of pride thing, I think noticing that like Jones joint or anything like that, it's like mm. it's important that she's trying to put her name in the title because again, she needs this to be hers. Yeah. And so while she's telling Tony this, Tony falls asleep and she wakes up at Skia, which is weird. I love the effect though. Have you guys seen the movie Memento? Yes. It reminded me of that. Um, yeah. Etsy, I, obviously you probably haven't seen it, but it's a movie where the main character has short-term memory loss. Ooh, so the way they film it is in a way where you have short-term memory loss along with him, where he'll just appear somewhere and he doesn't know why he's there or how he got there. And you don't know either. So you got to figure out the previous scene of how he got there. So it's really cool because they did that in this scene where she just pops up at Skia and we don't know what's going on. She don't know what's going on. We got the same question she got. So I thought that was really kind of, hopefully that was a purposeful ode to that movie because it's a classic. 
Mm. But um, William's there and he's like, hey. And she's like, what am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you told me you wanted to meet with me because you have an investment opportunity. And she's like, oh, yeah. okay. well, yeah, of course. Um, Apparently, pregnancy leads to short term memory loss. And he's like, okay, you said you had to discuss something urgently. And she's like, yes, okay. So apparently pregnancy leads to short-term memory loss. (laughs) And I love the way she keeps repeating it. But once she's finished doing that, she proposes that he invests in a space. He never, she never says it's Jones Restaurant. William, there's a commercial property available for a steal. You could buy it, hold on to it for about a few months, and then flip it for a huge profit. I'm gonna have to see the property first. And you will. And once she remembers the address, she (laughs) gives it to him. And that's when Tony heads over to Joan's house and tells her about this mysterious investor. Of course, Joan's super happy, um, but also wants to know who it is. And she's like, oh, we're going to meet him tomorrow because he wants to see it. And she's like, is it someone I know? Tony says no. And Joan guesses that it's William. And Tony says, no, it's not because you told me not to go to him. Now, do you think she really doesn't remember who it is because of short-term memory loss or she just straight up lying to, to Joan? She lied. She lied. She lied. Okay, because at first I was like, wait, is is it the short-term memory loss that's doing this? Or is she really straight up lying to Joan's face? No, but she's going to blame the short-term memory loss. Tony is crafty. Tony is crafty. (laughs) And again, I think it's important to remember, nothing comes between Tony and her money. So so for her, she was like, y'all being stupid and I'm not going to lose out on a commission because y'all won't talk to each other. So Mm -hmm. I'll just lie to you. I'll lie to you. And you don't care because, A, y'all want to work together. And, B, don't, you don't have no money. <laughs> right? So, right. You need an investor. You can be upset all you want to, but you don't have no money. So just let me do this. Let me help you the way that I know how to help you, which is by also getting my own self a commission. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's also killing two birds with one stone, too. You get to help your friend and you get to make your money. And you get to work with two people who you really know and everyone ends up happy. So it's a smart decision. Yeah. And in this scene, she mentions that she should have married this client, William. This is just one of my clients who thinks I'm cute and does anything that I say. I don't know why I didn't marry him. Because you're married to Todd. Right. Todd. And we're not happy, are we? I should keep a pen in this other guy. How do you think uh, Tony and William relationship would be? Because I feel like that's a better pairing probably than him and Joan, considering they both love money and the finer things. I think that Tony is a more tolerable version of Monica. So I think I like them better. You see how Monica Ooh. and William, they make Ooh. a good couple because Monica is the, the puppet master and William is the puppet. Tony would be that for him, but less nasty. Yeah, that's the thing. To me, it was only the sexual dynamic that I thought wouldn't match because Tony is actually like, Tony likes to just lay there and William likes to give it his all. And Tony would not be about that. She would like take that somewhere else. So, but outside of that, I never thought of it as Monica is just a like a more annoying, but more aligned version of Tony for William. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Tony and and Monica first met, they were, I think Monica was being nasty to the girls. And Tony couldn't even sit there and be offended. She was like, brava. Yeah, exactly. Girl? <laughs> she respects it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you talked about this, but like, yeah. I, like, she's not in this episode, but I grew up 
hating Monica. Like I hated her. And then I grew up and I rewatched it. And I was like, oh, actually, I fucked with Monica. I feel like Monica actually has some points. I feel like she sees things and she calls things like they are. And she just doesn't have time for a lot of like the out drama. Yeah. She's just like, no, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have that like sense of what you know and go for exactly what you want. It's just sometimes she's nasty. I, she I don't know. It's just, ugh. She's aggressive, mm-hmm. and I I will not deny that. But like very much like Tony said, it's like there's artistry to what you're doing, and Monica knows what she's doing. And yeah. also, Monica has to be aggressive, right, to get to where she wants to be because she's a woman and she's black in the environment that she's in. So unlike a man who can be more lax and still give or take, get what he wants, in order for her to be taken seriously. You got to really make an example out of niggas to let them know shit ain't sweet. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so you I'm do. here for it. Like, Monica's also very logical. Like, that's the one thing that, like, I kind of see continuously with Monica's. Like, when William does whatever he's doing or, like, what, she, she'll get angry, but she's more like, was that the logical decision? I'm mad at you, not because you did what you did, but because you didn't make the logical next step. That's where Mm -hmm. Monica is. And I respect her for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the next scene is actually Lynn coming in the house with some type of uh, a whole group of of Asians. (laughs) They're Japanese. 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 Like what? What is this side job? And do you guys know who would be Condoleezza and who's Hallie? (laughs) Who she was pointing at? Well, Hallie isn't there, right? So she's saying that this is Halle Berry's house. And then she's okay. saying that sitting down in the house was Venus and Serena and Condoleezza. And th- those are her friends that's chilling in the crib. So I thought uh, that Condoleezza would be Joan and Venus and Serena would be Tony and But Maya. there was also Eddie Murphy, she said. She said she go on to Eddie Murphy's house later, which was, was going to be Maya's... Um, Maya's, Maya's apartment, apartment which yeah. was the house that Eddie Murphy grew up in. That's what she was telling them people. Wow. Huh. You understand Japanese? What you, what you... I was going to say. <laughs> oh, you you didn't have the, um... Oh, Did the subtitle wait, say had... that? Because they didn't tell no, me anything. No, it just, for us, it just said speaking Japanese. Yeah. Oh. The wait, see, did you watch it on Netflix? I watched it on Netflix. Etsy... She has different ways of watching okay. things. Okay, so but that's no, no. Here's the thing: I love your way of watching things. I've used it plenty of times, but <laughs> but on on Netflix, it just said speaking Japanese. So I had no idea. I didn't what know they either. Said. Thanks for the insight. I, I appreciate you translating because I was like, "Oh, look at her! She knows Japanese." Like, oh my damn girl, why, why you ain't tell me earlier? We could have been international in this bitch. <laughs> Shit, we need to we need to take over the world. I wish. <laughs> no, mine had the subtitles. The thing thing came through. You I know, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so that's what they were saying. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, and all you listeners that didn't know. You're welcome. Yeah. Cash app. But I think that's also funny because in that scene, it's very showing how, like, I love when shows do this commentary. It's like a lot of Asian people, especially if you're, like, Asian countries, they don't know the difference. They know black person. And they don't know a lot of black people. Mm. So you can be like, this is Condoleezza Rice. And they're like, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Black woman makes it. Oh, shit. So. Yes. (laughs) 
Do you think that's what they're trying to say with this scene? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. They're like, they're like, oh yeah. Don't know. They, they can't. Don't, they have face they, violence. They don't have a lot of black people in there, and yeah. anyone who's traveled will tell you you'll get like mistaken or accused of being someone. You're like, why would I be that person? <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. And there was something. It was like a test that was done that went viral, and they were testing white people and pretty much the results were that all white people see when they talk to people who aren't white, especially black people, is just black. Yep. Which is why yep. when they can mistake you for someone else who looks absolutely nothing Different like skin you. tone, everything. Because all they see is black women or all they see is black yep. men. So yep. they They're, see another black mm. woman in the same space. They're like, oh, you're so-and-so, right? And we don't look Damn. nothing alike. Like I think that might have happened to us at work at City before many for times. For sure. <laughs> For sure. They were like, didn't I tell you? I'm like, no, you didn't tell me that. The black woman. That's what their mind says. Black (laughs) woman. Oh, and then other black woman. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. they're like, we're two very distinct individuals. And their mind's like, not according to the files. It's the same person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's the same person. So So that's, that's like Lynn's like, Lynn probably was like, oh shit. Like she probably thought of this was like, I could do this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's her psychological or whatever degree she's using exactly. to figure that shit out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Lynn is Damn. very smart. And she's a finessa. Yes. Like, yeah. one yes. thing y'all have to know is that Lynn, now she does not pay any rent. If yes. she didn't have that finesse in her, I don't think she would be able to have that option of having no bills to pay. She's not paying rent. I mean, she's probably paying phone bills and stuff, but... That's like what I told you earlier, like a few episodes ago. I was like, well, she has somewhere to stay for free. How does she make money for all the little things, all the other things? And I guess it's this stuff. Well, these stuff, but then also Joe, Joe. the girls. And I think what it is, it's like you you put it perfectly, Etsy. Lynn is a finesser and she found her greatest mark was Joan. She mm-hmm. was like, I let this girl tell me what to do every once in a while and she'll pay for my meals for an entire month. So, <laughs> like, that's that's what that is. That's their relationship. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying that Lynn found her golden goose and she just keeps it around. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Lynn, we get a uh, a scene where the girls go over to the park to figure out what she's doing with her life. It's Joan and Maya. Joan's telling her, listen, we're going to be like real chill about this. We're just going to talk to her. We're going to be very casual. And Maya gets up there and she's like, what the hell is wrong with you, you stupid bitch? You look like a damn fool. Maya. (laughs) (laughs) That is so Maya. Mm -hmm. That is so on point. And Joan comes in, does the good cop routine. Uh, She puts the money in the cup to talk. I, I love the bit where she keeps talking, but she stops and needs more money oh man that is fucking brilliant because that's a finesse she was going to get her money yeah it's funny to me because i love how a they didn't even have tony try to come because tony wouldn't have come like she's like i know Mm. lynn and tony doesn't tony is aware of the grift with lynn so she's like that girl's gonna do whatever she wants to do I'm not going to waste my time trying to make her do something she doesn't. Maya is like Tony in the sense of she's not going to buy into it, but Maya will Mm -hmm. still try. But she also doesn't have the patience with Lynn. Girl, yeah. you look stupid. What are you doing? So. <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, we see as it, the, the end of last week's episode, 
Lynn has done all of these things to kind of grift Maya too. So Maya's not, Maya sees it real quick and she's kind of has a short fuse about it. Yeah. And we see that here. So yeah, I just thought that was so hilarious. That is such a great scene with, uh, with Lynn at the park. So next we're at the restaurant space. Uh, William's there. He loves it. He wants to move forward. And that's when Joan comes in and sees him there. And then they figure out the game. Looks like Tony pulled a parent trap. So she lets Joan and William talk and argue it out while she leaves. And they just first they argue about what each other can handle. It's a really crazy way of doing an argument. But um, he wants to be a silent partner, uh, put up 40 percent of the capital right now. And she's going to take 50 percent. Where's the other 10? Didn't y'all get that? No, no. It was just like so she was what the dynamic was was that he was like, I'll show you how end I am. I'll put up 40% just to prove to you. Again, this is them basically, he knows that Joan will never ask for it. So instead mm. of saying, hey, I'd, I'd be willing to help you 40%, he has to do it like it's a challenge because she's competitive. So it's mm. like, you know what? I'm so invested. I'll do 40%. And she, again, understanding that he is... She understands that he is basically extending the olive leaf and helping her out, but also giving her the space to be defiant in it. She's mm-hmm. like, well, actually, if you really commit it, do 50, which is basically Period. saying, actually, I, if you could do 50%, that'd be more helpful. And, you know, like that, like oh, they're having okay. this conversation mm-hmm. where in reality, Got it. they're saying a lot. They're saying, hey, I need help. I'll happily help you, but they couldn't, they can't do that because they just fought last time and they both need to like keep that energy up until mm-hmm. someone else softens. Well, then let's get it in writing. I'll have the papers drawn up and on your desk so fast it'll make your head spin. Oh, really? Well, I don't have a desk, so you're going to have to put the papers on my table if you can handle that. <laughs> I could handle that and buy you a desk if you can handle it. Oh, really? I could handle it. As a matter of fact, there's a desk at Carol Kipling I could really handle. Fine. Matching chair? And credenza. Bring it on! Oh, it's brought. And you are officially an investor of Jones Tapestry. That's stupid. And uh, he also comes up with the name, the J-Spot. Yes. And I love it. It's a style, you know? And you know, you kind of feel like you know what you're getting when you go. And it's so, also like a play on like the G spot, right? And what happens with the G spot? An orgasmic experience. So you're gonna exactly. get that at the J spot, but with the food, love it. She's gonna get a lot of horny customers not knowing where they're showing up to. <laughs> well, absolutely. Like I think it's it is a perfect. As someone, I don't know if I made this. I live in LA, so I do know mm. like these trendy restaurants, and I like the atmosphere like what this audience would be looking for and something like jones i'm not i don't know anyone who's going to any place called like jones cantina or like anything like that yeah (laughs) at least like for an elevated experience but the j spot it's entendre it's elevated it's like it's the spot you want to be at and i immediately was like this is what it needed to be at every single turn. And I was glad that they gave us kind of like the red herrings with all the really, but it also showed how William, how their dynamic benefits her. Mm -hmm. She does have all these ideas and it's not, your idea isn't wrong. You're circling around the right thing. You just need someone to help you land it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. It's funny. I was going to name this podcast the J-Spot really? podcast. I thought that was the first idea that I thought of. Mm-hmm. And then, because, you know, the J-Spot's, a, yeah. it's this era that's about to begin. Yeah. Like, we're in for a lot that's about to happen with this mm-hmm. restaurant. So, I was like, oh, maybe we should call it the J-Spot. And then I was like, nah, oh, hell yes, it's right there. Yeah. It's right there. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited about the stuff that we're going to get into because... Etsy, I don't think you remember a lot of this stuff. You haven't seen the show in a while, right? I haven't seen this show in years. And if I did, it's been like bits and pieces or like the super mm-hmm. viral moments with um, old girl and the lip and it being swollen. So, <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that. So, it's literally like me watching it over again, but a new pair of eyes. Like I hadn't, it's like me watching mm-hmm. a new show. So Etsy, yeah. that was me with Boy Meets World when I started doing my rewatch. Like I had <laughs> I had seen it and I'd known things, but like it had been years. So each yeah. time I'll watch it, I'm like, oh, I I'll, I'll straight up be surprised at episodes. And they're like, yes. like you seen it. I was like, Yeah, but it's been years. I didn't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch Girlfriends in syndication all the time. Like it was like almost like my comfort go to bed kind of show, watch it before bed. Mm-hmm. And so I remember all this shit and I'm so excited to talk about it as it's gonna come up. Sad thing is, we got to get to Tony leaving, which I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. So we got a few seasons, know. but. It's so funny. It's like, You're right. When you told me you were, you were season you were doing, I was like, I got to get that. You asked me why I chose. <laughs> you asked me why I chose the J-Spot episode. And the reason is the J-Spot is the beginning of the end of Tony and Jones dynamic. Right. And mm. so the like I was like, oh, I have to get in there before Tony leaves. And I was like, oh, this is this is that first brick in the road to Tony leaving. And I every time if I see the J spot only as a catalyst the to catalyst her departure. To her departure. <laughs> That's what I see whenever I see it. So oh, man. it's always to me, every episode with the J spot, everything about the J spot, I just see it as a ticking clock towards mm. towards tony leaving and it's a bittersweet place but it's also like i also think it was a really wise decision for the show just to like have the space but i also know that yeah every time i look at it i'm like oh we're heading towards this this, this is the beginning of yeah, the end yeah <laughs> yeah we gotta do it though we gotta do it the one thing i i'm worried about coming up is when we get to the game episode because i do not watch the game i don't you don't I watch don't. the game it was just boring. I suggest you give the game another shot because I'll admit, like, when it first started, it wasn't really, like, it needed to find its footing. But the game, Derwin and Melanie, is mm-hmm. one cool. of, like, Black culture, Black Twitter. Every once in a while, somebody will just bring up that fight and it's just the whole black community is in their field again it is one of those things where it's like their dynamic the first i think it's two or three seasons really mm-hmm. put black culture through something <laughs> like oh, it was man, just man. a moment and so i'm just like if only to Maybe. be part of that and understand what you were dealing with it's a fun show that also very similar to girlfriends it's not afraid to make its characters people who you're like now why you do that oh, very flawed oh, flawed that. characters uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Because I don't. It's the sports thing. I love sports, but it's so fake. Like none of that stuff is how I see real sports. There's a lot. Like 
something as basic as the actors are kind of undersized for the athletes they're supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so that stuff, that's how I see it. Like, this is fake, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's why I, look, I don't watch it. It's just... Mm-hmm. Never I wonder t- why they talk, why they chose football, too. Like, why couldn't it be, like, basketball, basketball? or something that's, that's a so good physically... question. That's a very yeah. good question. You could have kept the same dynamics because they still be Absolutely. traveling. They still be cheating. So yes. They'll be fucking other bitches. They still be fucking bitches. So it don't even... <laughs> like you said last week, MLS, uh, MLB, NFL, NFL, NBA, all the alphabet. All the alphabet. <laughs> gang, gang. Like NCAA. Oh man, but but yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so J Spot era has begun, and to end the episode, it's just Lynn telling the cops about a robbery in progress in her platinum robot costume, and she makes them pay her for more information, and then eventually leads them in the right direction for the for the robber. So still making that money, still still hustling. She's great, mm-hmm. and that's the end of our episode. So next is the oh hell yes moment of the episode. Uh, where we pick the moment of the episode that made us go, oh, hell yes. So we're going to start with our guest, Siege. What is your oh, hell yes moment? Mine was, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I could do this, but I had two. One was Tony oh, being yeah, like, Tony being like, look, you need an investor property. You need money. Give me my commission. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, 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 I love that realness of her being like, this is nonsense between the two of y'all. And matter of fact, she didn't even really care if they made up. She was just like, get the contract signed. Right. My commission. She didn't but care about the friendship. <laughs> but here's the thing. She did. And that's my whole thing. It's like, she did it in a way where it's like, I'm doing this for y'all, but I also don't have the patience to be here while y'all circle the, <laughs> the, the wagon on the conversation you need to have. But then also when William came up with the J spot, that was like, but yes, this is what it should have been the entire time. That's me. Well, I'll go next because mine was William coming up with the J-spot. You know, Joan was struggling the whole episode. Jones, whatever. Jones, ugh, it was just bad. And she stuck with that same pattern of Jones, blah, blah, blah. And William coming up with the J-spot was just like, it's like the person who came up with like Kool-Aid. It's like, <laughs> damn, what was it before? Whatever it was before, that wasn't it. This is fucking it. Mm-hmm. So that's my oh, hell yes. Yeah, well, he got my oh, hell yes. Tony figuring out that, listen, I get the best of both worlds. I need to get my money. You need an investor to get your place. I can sell this place because I ain't holding it for no 30 days, bitch, you wallet. So, yeah, <laughs> that was my oh, hell yes. <laughs> Great. We're very aligned. Very nice. Man. So that's the end of our episode. Siege, where can the listeners find you? The listeners, you can find me uh, and our podcast at Brum Meets World. We are on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all the places. It's just at Brum Meets World. Again, if you liked how I overanalyze everything. It's so like, wonderful. This is how Brum Meets World is. Mm-hmm. You get that, like, um, my whole thing is, like, I grew up in a very white space. Then, of course, moved to New York, learned a different type of racism. Had mm. to, like, learn what that was about. And then, like, it really started my journey into, like, race dynamics and i've been on a mental health journey since i was 19 so like all of these things when you start to watch tv you're like oh that's an unhealthy dynamic or 
that person's projecting or mm. that's racist and they trying to make me like they're trying to they're sell it to us at 9 p.m. every week. Mm. Definitely. So like that's that's really how this all came about because I feel like television says a lot and it teaches a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of people learn what is like we talked about this on my show with Boy Meets World. We learned what a relationship should be, quote unquote, by watching Corey and Topanga growing up. It was like, oh, that's what I wanted to have in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I got older and I was like, this isn't as healthy of a relationship yeah. as I thought it was. But that's the power of TV is you watch these dynamics and you're like, you can watch a group of girls like girlfriends behave this way you're like oh that's what a friend group is supposed to be you're like nah mm-hmm. yeah you gotta take the good you take the bad um and so i love watching stuff like this and being like this was really good i love that the friends went there and they were like hey lynn is everything okay like mm-hmm. i like that that's good mm-hmm. but then also they're being petty sometimes or you know like it's like yeah you yeah. gotta point out for what it is anyway that was my rant well, thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for coming by and, and yeah. being on this pod and joining us because your perspective is just so great. Loved um, it. And we would love to have you back. We'll talk about that off air, though. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, where to find us, at Hell Yes Girl on Twitter. Uh, for now, you know, Twitter's become a place of uncertainty at this point but right now we have a twitter we might move to tiktok if it if it starts to burn down but uh, right now at hell yes girl on twitter if you want to talk more about girlfriends and some hypotheticals also send us some reviews itunes apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and give us five stars and we'll read your review on the air next week the episode is called maybe baby oh that's that's a good one and we're gonna have a guest on for that one as well guys we got super fan Tony coming next week. Etsy. Oh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Oh Jesus, we got a lot to talk about for that mm. one. And as always, I'm Nettie Smith, and I'm Etsy Rowe, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. 